I'm Joyce Hornady. You might say accuracy is my business. I make bullets. You are listening to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hornady Podcast. Thanks for joining us on the show. I'm your host, Seth Swerzik, and I'm joined today around the table to my right, our custom dye engineer, Ben Searing, and across the table, sales service technician, Matt Ritchie, and marketeer, Preston Lintfer. Guys, thanks for coming around the table today. Oh, not a problem. Glad One of my to favorite topics. Yeah. Favorite topics, and the topic we've got spooled up today is reloading. Uh, and we're going to leave it pretty broad, and we're I'm hoping to just kind of Maybe go around the table and share our different experiences and go over our different procedures and the different tools that we have and when we employ those and how we employ them. Um, because we've got a ton of different experience. You know, you've got the three gunner that's reloading. You've got the the bench rest shooter, the F-class guy, the PRS guy, the guy that's loading for a cartridge that you can't buy ammo for. I mean, there's just a ton of reasons to reload. And, you know, we've got all got our different niches. And I'm excited to hear about your specific niche and, and how you go into reloading and maybe how you got into reloading, because that's always a, a neat story, too. I know there's a lot of tradition in reloading for a lot of folks, and that's something that I think is pretty cool. So without further ado, you know, uh, beside me here, Ben, you've been uh, at the helm of our custom die division now for a, quite a while. And with that, you also get to go around to trade shows and shooting events and media events, and you get to instruct people in reloading and give those classes. So if anybody has you know that 30,000-foot view over reloading as a broad topic, it's probably you. So what do you see, uh, you know, the trends, how, what got you into it, and uh, what's your experience? Well, when I was younger, um, before I worked here, of course, uh, Dad would constantly say, you're wasting lead, kid, you're wasting lead. I just wanted to shoot. Didn't matter what I was shooting from wrens, which I got in trouble for shooting wrens, to robins, to squirrels, to rabbits, <laughs> the to North fence American. posts, to whatever I could shoot. <laughs> Neighbor's I shoot cat. Yeah. North American songbird <laughs> slam. So, <laughs> yeah, so I figured out a way, obviously, this reloading thing. Um, I could do it a little cheaper and keep shooting. And it, it's been a, a passion of mine since that point. Um, obviously, came to work here and I can, I learned even more, um, you know, before you just took your die and screwed it on the shell holder and shoved your case in it and stuck a bullet in it and powder and primer and went back to shooting. But now the accuracy that can be gained over some factory ammo is phenomenal with the tools and, and the techniques that we have out there today. Um, I suppose in my personal experience, and I do it with everything, um, you, you mentioned, you know, PRS and F class and all the different classes all the way down to hunting. I have the same process for everything. Okay. Except for pistol. Uh pistol just I mean, size it, put a bullet in and go because yeah, I don't think for the distances that you shoot that you're gonna notice anything by doing any of these techniques that we talk about. But I start with my uh dirty cases and you would disagree with me, but I deprime everything mm-hmm. uh because I I clean and the way I clean is usually a sonic tumbler. If they're really dirty, I use the the uh, rotary tumbler oh, with, with the, the steel pins. Steel pins, yeah. The reason I do that is because I'm very particular. Um, I want primer seated to the same depth every time. And when you fire a case, there's carbon left in the bottom of that primer sure pocket. There is. And I want it. I'm not necessarily going to wipe the carbon out every one, but the sonic cleaner or a rotary tumbler does a very good job at removing that carbon so that I know when I seat my next primer, it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want the primers out of the way before I start to clean. Um, and then I, I'll check my brass for the length. Is there obviously. any science behind the, the cleanliness of the primer pocket? Because I just want it flush or below and I want it to go off. Mm-hmm. And you're probably right. And you probably can't measure the accuracy gained or the science behind that. Um, but if I can have them, all flush or all two thousands below flush or all three thousands below flush to me that's more consistent yeah and l- l- let me caveat i don't do bench rest i don't do f class maybe there it does make a difference maybe and, and it, it might and it's probably not a measurable distance but i'm a nerd yeah so, I was, hey let's just put it there you know that's yeah. what i like to do i was about to say that you not call you a nerd but the uh, as a as a gifted machinist as I, we've learned and talked about in other podcasts machinists can hold tolerances 
that mean absolutely nothing in the world of gunsmithing. It's cool you can hold that tolerance, but it mean you know it's not doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you have that personality type anyway, yeah. if you can control a variable, let's control it. So you Good. know what it yep. is. Yep. So I know that when I miss or when I don't hit where I want to, I've poured everything that I know into my equipment, mm-hmm. my ammunition. So it was just me, period. Just I want to eliminate just all those factors. <laughs> just a bad shot. It could be. Not very often. <laughs> <laughs> so I start there. Uh, obviously, uh, for some cartridges, I'll use a headspace gauge when I set up my die because I firmly believe, and I teach this in my classes, that the first thing you can do to make your rifle more accurate or your ammunition the give it the possibility to be more accurate is first reload it uh secondly is control your headspace yeah mm-hmm. um headspace is a big factor you look at any sammy print or even cip specs and you'll see you'll see tolerances in there you know where they have a headspace and it could be plus or plus 10 or minus 10 and your cartridge can be anywhere in there yeah, that's 308 comes now. to mind. Yeah. 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 308. Belt, I mean, belted magnums. Yep. Anything and, with a belt on And it. you might have two rifles. So when you start doing this headspace thing, you're probably going to have to keep your ammo separate if they're not exactly the same, because I like to give about a 3,000th headspace bump. Yeah. I'll go a little bit more if I feel like I may be hiking in the mountains. I'm not in the best of shape and uh, going to be huffing and a puffing and i need to make sure that the next round sometimes the second round is more important than the first you know piss off a line with the first one you better hope the next one gets in there (laughs) you know what i'm saying so i I like to control that kind of based on what i do i'll I'll throw this out there you mentioned three sometimes more thousands yeah i mean it's all personal preference yep i'll go one to two one to two because i know that that brass did not elastically expand to the chamber walls and, then and springs, stay right there. You know, right, it springs spring back. back There's always bit. spring back. Yep. So on my type of stuff, I don't mind it being a thou because I, I likely have a little bit more than that, but I'll shoot yeah. for two myself. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm curious. You said you'll do it on some of your cartridges. You'll, you'll, you'll control the headspace. What what decides that for you? Um, if I'm in, again, if I'm in a hunting condition where I think that uh, the shot might be not be a perfect shot, I want the next one to follow in and go in the chamber. Uh, if I know it's going to be bad weather conditions or super dusty, d- dusty, dusty, blowy, dirty, mm-hmm. I need the next round to get in there. Um, the chamber, you know, I can, yep. you could, everybody knows we get the first one to chamber every time. Well, I guess are, are there but, some cartridges that you won't check headspace for at all? You'll just screw the die down to the shell holder. Or are you checking that on all your rifle cases? All my rifle mm-hmm. cases, I check the headspace. I check that space. And sometimes many of my dies, because of where I work, are custom dies anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, even for cartridges like the 308, because of the, you know, if you look at a Sammy uh, Max and Min between chamber and uh, cartridge, well, I'm just going to pull a dimension, don't quote me, but let's say it's 450 at the shoulder. Chamber will be 451. That's probably a perfect fit. I mean, we got a 450 cartridge going to a 451 chamber. You can't get too much better than that mm-hmm. all right but sammy gives a tolerance on that 450 cartridge and usually it's minus seven right. so that all of a sudden can be instead of 450 it can be for do the math 443 okay and the 451 chamber usually is plus two so now we're 455 or 450 do the math whatever 451 yes 443 so that's what you can end up, and that's why I, if the dies, if I purchase a set of dies or get a set of dies, I check all the dimensions. I'll check the base from a fired case. I'll check the shoulder from a fired case. I don't worry too much about the neck because your expander ball is going to do it. I'm not a fan of match grade dies, and we can get into that later, but I check shoulder and base, and then I size the case, and I measure that again. If I'm getting about three thousandths, I'm happy with that. Some of them I can go less, but if I'm getting more than three, I usually shoot for a custom die. Yeah. I want I want to control that expansion in the chamber so when it does eventually, because eventually the brass will fire spring back. It'll spring back leech less every time as it work hardens, and then it'll eventually fit your chamber. Um, this is why neck sizing works. 
I usually don't do it because I get my brass worked out there and with a custom die when you've got a custom fit every time. It, uh, the neck sizing I found to be well, there, null, that's null and topic. void. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like neck sizing is almost it's a, It can be on its own. Yeah, yeah that's the whole reason because the brass brings yeah. back that you can you can neck size. But with I the custom world. I don't think many people are doing it anymore. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, it's probably not as big. In my world, there's still folks that are ordering them and wanting to do custom because your brass will last longer. Mm-hmm. I'm not touching the body. Um, I'm only messing with the neck, so um, it seems to be, last longer. But, yeah, I, I like to control that headspace. Uh, my next step, obviously, is powder. I'm probably a little bit crazy with powder. Um, working here, obviously, has given me the ability to own, uh, you know, a powder charge station like that where I can measure it to the grain. I've been known on on my, if I'm going to go to the bench, uh, then I'll trickle up to a certain amount in that and then i hand trickled the rest one time i even tried to break kernels to make it till i learned oh. that those kernels are designed that way to burn for a specific burn rate did it make a matter did it make a difference no, no. could i measure it no but again makes i like feel to good. control all the variables mm-hmm. you're experimenting so it makes me feel good that's right that's right um we stop doing dies. that we don't advance that's right yeah. seeding dies that you know i'll seat the primers I don't worry too much about measuring it. I feel that my cleaning got it to the same point with the same pressure every time when I when I seat it on my press. I seat my primers on a single stage press. I do not like the, the hand. hand prime. Me too. A lot of people like the hand prime, and that's great if you do. Yeah. Um, the point is you're reloading, you know. Yeah. Um, when I seat the bullets, I've got my own little trick. I obviously set for depth. Sometimes I'll reach out and touch Depends on the cartridge I'm doing. Sometimes I'll touch the lands or back off of them a little bit, and I try to control that science doing ladder testing with various different um, loads and lengths to try to come up with the the, the good one that shoots well. Um, but I'll, 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 first I do is take the die apart, and I make sure the stem fits the bullet pretty well. Mm-hmm. I want a good, a good fit on that bullet with the stem. It's really hard for any manufacturer dies, including ours, to match every bullet that's out there. You know, your old basic spire points, the stems that come with the standard dies work pretty good. But you may need a custom die if you're shooting, or a custom stem if you're shooting something with a very long ogive like our ELD Match or ELDX, which I love. Pretty much everything I hunt with is ELDX. Um, I've even shot, yeah, my first PRS realm was with ELDX bullets. Nice. So I, I had a lot of fun doing that. Was there 200 targets and I broke 135 of them? I thought it was pretty good for the first time out to a thousand yards. For me, I was that pretty impressed. Fantastic. That's a gap grind. Yeah, All I was right. impressed with myself with a hunting rifle. Everybody's shaking their heads looking at me. I'm out there with my hunting rifle. <laughs> it's just a crack shot. Yeah, six, well, I'm not a crack more. shot. Yeah, it was a well, six I was going to say, in the world of hunting rifles, it's it a good one. It skirts yeah. the line yeah, between it, hunting rifle and. Yeah, it was built by George Gardner. It's a GA Precision and six Creedmoor. Manor um, stock, yeah. It's yeah, a, I could have built it myself, but um, it's one of those deals where sometimes time is... Probably could have mounted your scope yourself, too. Probably could have, but I had you do it, Preston, <laughs> and that's better. <laughs> you get busy, and you, you use uh, the people's expertise as you can, so... Absolutely. I mounted a lot of scopes for a yeah. lot of people here. Yeah. And then one of my little quirks, some people don't agree, like when I go to seat a bullet... I'll bring the press up and I'll feel it seat a little bit. I bring it down and I give it a little bit of a turn. Give the case a turn. I, I let it, I don't know, when I call it home. do the hula dance. I used to so do it that. finds its home and I right. turn it probably three times before I seat it home, check my lengths. And once I'm good there, I do use comparators. You know, obviously um, the bullet comparator over the tip, and that depends whether it's a hunting round or whether I'm really going to go to the mm-hmm. range and really get crazy with it. Um, bullet comparator will measure on my ogive which is a more accurate spot in the manufacturer bullet. If you understand how bullets are manufactured, tips can vary, such as everybody's seen bolt tail hollow points. Depends on how they're trimmed and everything on the end as oh, far yeah. as consistency and length. Yep. So the length from the base of the bullet to a spot on the ogive is a more accurate spot to measure. Um, I've tried to get extreme. I've tried to sort bullets by length, put them in different piles, and it made me feel good, but it was a lot of time and didn't really notice much. My um, chest hurt when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> concentricity. I was going to bring I up a concentricity you gauge. I'll throw them on there and make sure that I'm seating straight um, because I don't want to, you know, our concentricity gauge, uh, it has the ability to straighten them, but don't, it's not, uh, 
to me, it's I seen a poster one time when I was a kid, and that thing has stuck with me. There was a, a chicken up on a shelf laying an egg, and the egg would fall here and break, and this guy would pick the egg up and tape it and put it in a carton. It, to me, you know, get the sh- chicken off the shelf and get it down here so the egg doesn't break, right? Right. It's the same concept for here, and I've used this throughout my life. Let's fix the problem at its source. The source is the seating or your necks or something. Something else is going on, so I don't like to seed a bunch of crooked ones and then straighten them. Uh, to me, that's just a checker. I have been successful at taking factory ammo, firing a group, straightening factory ammo, and firing a better group. So I believe that concentricity is a, is a big deal. Sure. You know, you want to enter the war true and concentric, uh, then it'll come out the end true and concentric. Well, we'll, in my we'll, opinion. we'll all kind of take our turns, but on that note, I I won't I won't check concentricity anymore. I won't even check it because of the cartridges that I'm shooting. But I had to fix concentricity on a 300 win mag that I had or uh-huh. it was not going to work. And we've talked about 300 wooden mag. We kind of beat up on it a little yeah. bit, but I the free bore on it is just so big. Yeah, the free yeah. bore diameter is... I want to make sure... I had to get it close to the lens for that gun to shoot, and I had to make sure concentricity was good so it had the best chance possible. I think we talked about it in one of the previous podcasts, if some of our listeners were listening, but uh, I have a 300 wooden mag that I tried to do the slam thing. My bullet's out the end of the bore, mm-hmm. yeah. but or out the end of the cartridge. However, it still shoots me into the deer. Exactly. And it was my father's rifle, so I don't want to rebarrel it. You know, no. I, I'm just going to keep shooting leave it. it. Yeah. I'm going to leave it alone, and someday my kids and hopefully grandkids will still kill deer with it. So I don't try to put too many too many rounds on it. But maybe yeah. they'll have half of the rifling at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as long as it's killing deer, I guess. Uh, yeah. But so, yeah, those are some of my little tricks. I'm sure there's more that I skip over. It's hard to well, we'll go talk around if I'm the, not. Everybody gets a chance to talk, yeah. and I could take up this whole podcast. Well, I was going to say, know. we'll, as I we're all talking, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sure stuff will come to mind, and yeah. I want this to yeah. be an open forum. One real uh, good point, though, I want to clear something up. Uh, ben mentioned he's not a big fan of match-grade dyes, and for uh, yeah. more specifically, uh, just for the listener, for clarity, he's talking about bushing dies bushing style uh, right so for us our match grade dies use bushings and you can run that with and without an expander ball so just clear that up and the second thing was he mentioned the concentricity tool you help design that you design yeah, that I, concentricity I that. tool yep. and yep. what's unique about ours is that it it measures on the center line of the entire cartridge right where most of them on the market are checking it against the shoulder or the neck shoulder or the neck or you're laying your your or cartridge a body taper your, almost, yeah you're yeah. laying your taper on balls mm-hmm. um ball bearings yeah yeah and 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 um we all know that when that fits in there if our headspace is right and we're pushing against the bolt this isn't shouldn't be touching anything right, right. so yeah. i don't want to check my concentricity on that you wanted i want to check this. it from the shoulder so ours goes from the bullet tip to the base of the case yeah so that's and that, a, that's why i like that yeah it's and unique in the market in that i should clarify match grade dies too Th- yeah. they have their purpose uh for folks that want to control their neck again i'm the custom guy so i've already got my necks where i want them and then i build a custom die to give me the neck tension i want because i build the diameter in the neck die um, folks that use bushing dies want to control that neck tension themselves they don't want the expander pulling back through changing their head space because it can happen if you've got a lot of size down and you pull back through trying to set your head yeah, space you it can change it a little up. bit yeah pulls your shoulder a little bit but it's it's one of those deals where again being a nerd being an engineer um, because that bushing can go in and out of there there has to be clearance so to me, the concentricity between the body and the neck can vary. Slightly. Slightly. Doesn't matter to a lot of folks. To me, eh, I get straighter shooting, straighter concentricity cartridge with a standard full-length die, or I should say custom full-length yeah. die. So that's, that's what I meant by clarity. They're great dies. Mm-hmm. We still build them, and we have people ordering custom ones all the time. I'll play devil's advocate. I think the match-grade dies are super useful in some cases. And it, again... I think it comes down to the cartridge you're shooting, but unfortunately, when you are designing just a custom grade die, we have to take into account the SAMI prints, the SIPs, the CIP prints, and then all of the manufacturer's variance in neck wall thickness. Exactly. Brass, yeah. So sometimes we can get quite a bit of neck tension. Now, hindsight, yeah. after doing a little bit of testing in recent years, I haven't found excessive neck tension to be an issue, yeah. but... I, when I can put that bushing in there that gives me 
two thousandths worth of neck tension, exactly mm-hmm. what I want. I jump for joy. Yeah, and, there, and there's two ways to skin that cat, as we'd say. You can turn your necks, so you get, Absolutely the, get the tension you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, he doesn't want to turn necks, but match grade well, dies your that, answer. That was so the other thing I was going to add to it is when, when we're talking to our customers, when, they wanna, when they're interested in a match grade diet, that's the, the other layer I add to it is, are you going to turn your necks? Because to really utilize the full potential of that bushing, you need to have consistent neck wall thickness. And yeah. that just... that. Uh, some of them it goes kind of over above and beyond what they're willing to do or understand and so point them in custom grade just get a custom grade new dimension yeah. die now as as much as i joke about neck turning and never ever doing it ben i believe you designed that one as well our <laughs> neck turning tool um it, well it was based off the same concept which was originally our trimmer um right. but the neck turn tool wasn't actually designed by me i just had my inputs on it that's all well if i had to neck turn and hopefully I never do ever again. I would use ours. <laughs> that tool because is you can the way make it go. so fast. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's like I mean, it's like having a mini lathe. Yeah. It but really you drill is. On there and and shove it in there. You know, we've got half a thousand increments. Yeah. Click adjustable um, increments. Yep. The important part to there is just to make sure that you've sized your case first. Um, many people don't do that, but you want to size your case first because the mandrels are set up for a sized case. So the inside, an expander ball pulls through that mandrel set up to set that on there tight as the blade comes down and cuts that. Interesting. So, Well, in, in the vein of uh, turning necks, that is, uh, as Preston joked and alluded to, kind of a voodoo practice left for only those uh, uh, crazy souls that shoot in, as we joke, the International House of Pancakes. <laughs> and, and around the table, we do have an international bench rest Former, former, former yeah. international bench rest shooter, and you guys had some like you know I've said this a bunch of times, but you wait till Saturn blocks Jupiter, <laughs> and then you outside neck turn the cases, and then when the seventh chakra is behind the brow chakra, then you run your expander through there. It's like some super weird. It's a rabbit. It's a it's a deep dark yeah. rabbit hole. So it depends on how far down you want to go, Matt. So walk us through your reloading. You know you start, you know when you got into it. And you're not uh, a bench rest shooter anymore. You spend more of your time in the in the precision rifle game. Yeah. Uh, but just for hunting and stuff, what do you find yourself doing? Because obviously you were a pretty proficient loader to be you know successful in bench rest. Yeah. So what carried over? Yeah. So I mean, I started out. I I had an uncle that reloaded, and he just kind of got me into it. Started out nothing really explained to me, but just yeah, this is what we do. This is step one. This is step two. But and I just carried on from there and. Again, went down the, the bench rest rabbit hole and got, you know, neck turning, match grade bushing, dies, you know, auto charges and weighing down to a tenth of a grain. I never got into weighing my cases or weighing primers or anything like that or weighing down to the hundredth or thousandth of a grain. That's didn't, common practice. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. yeah. Didn't do any of that. Um, but, and check concentricity on everything and corrected it. But I kind of, again, went from there to, you know, PRS stuff. Now I... The cartridge I run, my little BR Ackley, still shooting a Wildcat, but BR Ackley, I loaded on a progressive. I, I, I do size everything on a single stage so I can get that consistent headspace. two to three thousandths of headspace. Then after that, it's throw it on a, chuck it on a progressive and throw powder Crank plus or minus two to three tenths of a grain variance on my powder charge and seat my bullets. I don't even check concentricity anymore. I, well, I, I may check one or two. Yeah. But if they're good, I'm rolling with it and I'm cranking out 250 rounds and I'm going to go shoot a match. Yeah. So, the science behind that though, with the science behind chambers nowadays yeah. has tightened them up a lot. We mentioned yep. the 300 wind mag a lot. The free bore is pretty big. I think some of the newer the chambers out. is really short. Yeah. And some of the newer chambers, we have that free bore just a half thou over bullet. Yeah. Half to uh, eight tenths. Yeah. And that's, that I think does a better job at. Not eliminating, but concentricity isn't quite as big a deal because yeah. we're holding it straight. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and, and bullet jump becomes uh, less critical. Yeah, yeah. As less well. critical. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I, I like I said, I've, I've started out and I went down that rabbit hole and got all the equipment and really went deep into it. And now I, I turn my necks because I have to. There, you know, um, I use a case that I have that has thicker walls than what our our uh, floating alignment sleeve will allow when I try to see the bullet. So I've got to turn my turn my necks down a little bit take yeah. a thou off and i'm good but they're then it's it's one and done there so but yeah don't check concentricity i just so I run. what 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 did reloading look like for you when you were shooting bench rest 
Um, yeah. So uh, I would deprime my cases, then I'd sonic clean them, and then resize them, then sonic clean them again, just to get that excess lube off. Then prime powder, you know. But like I said, measuring powder down to the with the, the auto charges, I never got any more picky than that. But um, tenth of a grain. You weren't weighing primers. No, no. Sorting cases. No. Yeah, there's there's guys. Yeah, some of those but guys. Those would, guys do. Yeah, they do, and they would. I mean, they would lube their cases with with. Uh, gosh, I'm uh, dang it. What's the powder? Imperial stuff? sizing. Oh, uh, powder graphite. Graphite. There we go. Powder graphite, and like they would seat their bullets and with after they dumped their powder they seat their bolts and then they would set them upside down in their in their trays so for whatever reason they thought that powder needed to be down against the bullet and then when they went to the match they'd turn them all over and shake them before they yeah just i it well yeah. you could all that that system only works though on the third sunday of every <laughs> odd month <laughs> yeah well yeah and like you said they wait for the planets to align right yeah. and then they don't well, even touch their rifle they just kind of get behind it yeah. and let the and, rifle and, do the work and we're uh, we're kind of bagging on that that sport no, that we're not, no, no we're not bad that's a great discipline it, but they're they're those there's some guys that they're great guys and they shoot a lot of small groups at oh, yeah. a lot of you tiny know, groups it's 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 fun to watch and it's fun to be a part of but i'm more, more applicable to i'm i'm more for the what's applicable to what i do when i'm hunting and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. yeah yeah yeah, you know, yeah you're yeah. shooting coyotes so, on the ranch and you're hunting yeah. deer and antelope and elk yeah. and running around and so, I met a very interesting gentleman in the custom world that shot the international bench rest stuff or 600. I don't know what it was. It was something F class, something mm -hmm. he didn't seed his bullets. He seated them in the chamber. Hmm. Yeah. So like he would set the bullet just lightly on top. And when it bolt closed, that's what seated. So what was round. he running like a half a thousand neck? Yeah, I don't even yeah. remember, but I just remember he didn't need a seating die because he seats it in the chamber. Yeah. And that, that's, I mean, the back Every to the time. match grade dies, I was running the match grade dies and running light neck tension. Cause I was, I was just kissing the lands of my rifling, but that being new into it, I, I, I got ready for thousand yard nationals. It was in Missoula, Montana. And I was in a kind of working a full-time job and stuff like that. I didn't have, kids, I, yeah, yeah, kids, yeah. all that. I, kind of waited till last minute and i started resizing my brass and i didn't check my neck tension and i was running like a thou to a half thou and that bit me hard at yeah. nationals get really? down there and you know you don't have any neck tension you don't get good ignition so you my oh. my velocities were varying i literally shot a, a probably a two inch wide group but it was 12 inches tall because and of was, the velocity it was just like this wow. all on that target yeah hypercritical i got a little yeah. story from my tech days now that we want to talk about neck tension had a caller call in. You'll you'll remember this one. Called in and said, I, I don't remember how it went, but the long and the short of it was he was taking his pistol brass. He would knock out the primer with a nail and a, and a hammer. He would put a new primer back in with a rubber mallet. And then he would put powder in and super glue his bullets back into his cases. Interesting. Wow. And I said, sir, you need to stop what you're doing right now and get a die set and a press. This is dangerous. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those words yeah. exactly. Gunpowder's flammable, but primers go bang. Yeah. yeah. Super glue and bullets and no neck tension. Wow. That is wow. pretty bizarre. So, Crazy. yeah, that is, that is interesting, Max. I thought your reloading uh, process for the, the bench rest stuff would be a little bit different. But, uh, it's know, a yeah, it's one of those things that it all and how far down the rabbit hole you want to go and want to invest in it. And yeah. I mean, again, like I alluded to, family, full-time job, an hour commute one way to work. That yeah. doesn't leave a lot of time to spend hours at the, yeah. yeah. At the and then you got to travel. I mean, it's your yeah. 8, 10, 12 hours, uh, you know, getting to Missoula, yeah. Montana or wherever. And Ventress seems to be super popular in that neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. Um that's well, and if you'd have told me 20 years that somebody could take a target at a thousand yards and shoot a two inch group, I'd have said, no, they can't. Yeah. It's been done, right? I no, mean, what's yeah. the record? Isn't it Ooh, one eight or one nine it, or something? It's, it's in that two, two or less. Two realm. something. Yeah. It's, wow. that's, I think that's the record at crazy. 600 is like six tenths. Yeah. Yeah. Six it, tenths yeah. at 600 yards. That's, so that less is a different than an inch. Realm. Yeah. Oops. It's crazy. They get, they do get some small groups and there's guys there that, that, uh, shoot it and they're consistent in shooting small groups and they can can read the wind but those are impressive guns they've got a lot of money invested into it and a lot of yeah. money in their rest and so it's just when they when they 
cough on the trigger, mm-hmm. that rifle comes straight back. And yep. then when they put it back, it goes straight Push forward, forward and it's, it's right yep. there. And and again, at a thousand yards, uh, velocity spread yeah. is yeah. is paramount. Mm-hmm. That's probably ultimately what you guys are loading for yeah. in that circuit is, I mean, velocity spreads are always important, Yeah. but in that particular game, yeah. I mean, especially at a thousand, at 600, it's probably a lot less yeah. critical, but at a thousand yards. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. You're loading yeah. for velocity. What kind of EVs do you typically try to go for in that realm? <laughs> um... I would say for me personally, it was 15 or less for extreme spreads and then SDs in the single digits. The nice. benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. So. All but right. Then, wow. And then it just comes down to reading the wind, you know, being able to, to see that wind shift and see what the flags are doing, if they've got flags and go from there. You but, tell me you didn't just hold left edge the whole time? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. no. Preston, you had not participated in international house of pancakes but you have gone down crazy rabbit holes in your reloading efforts yeah thanks to you yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> which we're all you know short rabbit holes luckily yeah uh but yeah what's your reloading sequence in in history look like well history was ocw all the ladders stuff like that shoot three shot groups and all sorts of different powder charges and i i don't do any of it anymore no nope. none it's all a joke. Well, it's not a joke. It might not be it. a joke, but uh, again, a little illusion. Sample size podcast coming up, but uh, nowadays I'm shooting a minimum of 10 shots with the given powder that I want, uh, a grain or two under max. And that's, if it doesn't work there, I'm probably getting a different barrel. Wow. Or changing bullet, changing the powder. But, I mean, big changes. Not yeah. tweaking things a few tenths here or there. You're just... You're just looking for, I'm trying to hit a steel plate or an animal. How am I going to yep. do that consistently? I want, if I'm shooting a 10-shot group, I'd like it to be 1.1 to 1.2 or less inches, 10 shots at 100 yards. And if the velocity is where I want it to be and the spreads are not outlandish, but honestly, spreads and, and muzzle velocities with the way that I'm doing it, not bench rest, not F-class stuff, if you shoot enough shots, it all kind of evens out. Yeah, and yeah. and people are typically pretty bad at that, you know, shooting enough shots for for yeah. things to even out. You know, you'll see pictures of magneto speeds with a three SD, but there's three shots there. Yeah, yeah. So shoot shoot more, and you'll you'll find out it's the more you shoot, not the better good. the average. Yeah. So um, these days, yeah, I'm shooting for for PR for PRS type stuff. Um, I am loading progressively. Oh. Absolutely. I Precision will, rifle on a progressive, similar to what Matt said. Yep. Yeah. I, I will size off. Uh, I'll wash. I almost said borsh. He's, from, I he's it, from Nebraska. He I'm washes. Southern he Nebraska. washes things. He washes yeah. his brass. So, big fan of wet tumbling with the stainless steel pins. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, I, I really do like that. Uh, I'll size, trim, and then go back into a corn cob tumbler. What, why do you like the, the pins, the steel pins? I don't know. I just... Because it gets it real clean. They do a great really job. Good. And it it's doesn't, fast. doesn't it's take one, four hours. Yeah, it's one, one, one and done. Yeah, one and they're step. really shiny. Yeah. You can take government surplus 308 and run it through one of those for an hour. It comes out like it's brand new. I yeah, ha- there's, I a, some- there's an old video, uh, an older video on the YouTube channel, the Hornet YouTube channel of me cleaning brass with a wet tumbler and it's 45 ACP range brass, just the scuzz of the scuzz. Mm-hmm. And it looked brand new and we we're done. Sure. Yeah, I've taken some 223, 556 NATO stuff that my brother had in his garage for like five years in an ice cream bucket and then put it in there. It just does a good job. Yeah. And the reason we deprime is so those pins can work on that primer pocket and clean that carbon out of there. Yeah. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I don't know why I do though. I'll throw this in there just to to clarify why I was like primer pockets to me, whatever. In the history of my shooting career, I've never diagnosed an accuracy problem and was like, oh, I had dirty, my primer dirty pockets. primer yeah. pockets. Darn it. And for me, like Matt had mentioned, the full-time job, yeah. taking care of your property, the kids and football practice, and you're running around and whatever, just normal everyday stuff. I don't want to do a process and then clean the brass and then do another process. I would rather just leave the primers in there, clean the brass, and then resize and deprime in one step rather than deprime, wash wash and then resize the case for me it's just efficiency and i've never really seen it be a tangible problem Mm -hmm. yep 
But I, again, I, I don't shoot F class or any of those, you know, really accuracy demanding type sports. Mm-hmm. I feel like, and I, I universal D prime all my brass before it goes in because I feel like it lets my solution last longer. If you get all of that unburnt or carbon and everything out of those primer oh. pockets in that solution, it's dirty. You're talking about sonic cleaner in the the wet tumbler. Oh, that's a, but that's just a, me. I, I mean, it's dirty enough. You We're know, all OCD in our own way, and I <laughs> yeah, exactly. disagree with you. But I disagree with Ben on most everything. But I disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, Mister Six Millimeter Oblong, bring me a bring me yeah. a case that's not even round. I there's nothing I could have done about that. Where we built you to die. Yeah. <laughs> so on your progressive, you're loading for plate matches, NRL hunter, yes. PRS One to two and a half MOA targets. Yeah. You so know? you're looking for minute of angle accuracy, and running it right through the progressive do you resize on the progressive or do you resize on the single stage progressive really yeah so really. the deal with the progressive the, for the, the cool, listeners the cool thing for me is i can lube a whole bunch of cases and i can just grab yeah. handle stroke grab handle stroke and it's coming off yeah you know like, it's just fast it's a fast yeah. thing yeah. so it's about efficiency and i'll prime yeah. on the progressive too because i can take more 1911 primer filler i can fill the tube up not you know press Pick it up you know so time. i can fill it up quickly 15 seconds or less i'm priming yeah and it's coming off in batches yep so one of the the nuances with running a progressive and resizing is the plate that's on a progressive press our progressive press has a little bit of flex because it's held by a center bolt and you're you know you're at basically an infinite mechanical advantage when you cam that press over correct and Mm -hmm. if that force isn't evenly distributed on all five stations that plate can rock i mean we're talking it barely barely measurable but when you're bumping shoulders now you've got the consistency of the brass that you're you're working with or you know how work hardened it is yeah. plus that plate flexing a thou so you you might be letting your headspace move just a little bit and if you're priming on one stroke but not on the other or seating a bullet yeah. or not seating a bullet it can change that yeah. so well you'll find when you set up a progressive to do that i don't personally load any rifle other than I, I call that press, and again, it's a personal opinion. That's my mag dump press. So 308, 223, 45 auto, 9 millimeter, mm-hmm. I put them through there. But when you find for those folks that do this accuracy thing on that press, you'll set that die, which is your first station, right? Your full length die, you'll set the headspace just right. But after you fill it back up, every you fill station's the t- got station, you're seating, you're, you're dropping powder, you're priming, and you're doing everything crimping if you're crimping, you'll have to go back most of the time and look at that die because it's probably it's probably sizing just a little bit more because now we've got everything balancing that out so you may have to readjust that do you yeah, find and, that and look, necessary let me say when i do progressive loading it's batch loading mm-hmm. so i'm checking everything for that specific batch right mm-hmm. okay and so um for instance last a uh, little bit of loading i did on there was six arc uh, okay. I, it was a minimum of three different lots of brass could be more but three different lots of brass and my head spa- headspace did not change throughout. And that same batch, um, I, I will I will load to mag length, book recommendation, whatever. I, I'm not chasing lands or anything like yeah. that anymore, okay. especially in an arc. That batch of ammo that I made, I think it was 1,400, uh, shot 1.1 inches for 20 shots at 200 yards. That's half minute that's ammo. Good, that's good. Yeah. That's good ammo. And that's that's legit half minute. That's ammo. twenty yeah. shots. But yeah. you're not sizing and seating. Then you're you're doing it one step when at I, a time. When on I do a sizing, I'd like to run it in corn cob so I can get the lube off. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Okay. So that when, changes when, what when I when said earlier. Back, I have two of these, and two, I'll run two, two auto, charges. auto charges with the powder funnel on the AP, mm. and I can't keep up with two. Like one probably be feasible but i can't right. keep up with two and i'm i'm loading them as fast as i can That's, so you're still dumping powder in your ap where um, where matt is use, using the powder case activated powder dump but run embargate with those smaller you know Kernel extruded size. kernels yeah. it doesn't bind up as often Shortcut. say it's like 4350 or something yeah, I, I likely handle. could and i'm i'm sure that that if you did enough testing there's a measurable difference to say you know a powder uh measure versus an auto charge is going to give you x more feet per second extreme spread but for what we're doing many people have ran a darn powder measure with varget you yourself obviously and do it quite well it's it's usually for me it's plus or minus two tenths of a grain and And the majority of them plus or minus one yeah yeah that's that's remarkable you know if you rewind the clocks now 
not even that far ago, but let's just say five, six, seven, eight years ago, nobody was loading precision rifle on a progressive. And now I feel like it's pretty common when you're getting into, you know, you go to a bench rest match, how many rounds you shoot in a total weekend? You you would, in a, in a weekend, you know, you would shoot 250. Yeah. You know, so no, no more, I would say no more than maybe like a PRS match, but. So it, the, the volume of ammo hasn't changed per se, but the acceptable tolerances right. have between, you know, when, when F-Class and Benchrest were, incre- you know, really, really popular. And then the, the precision rifle thing came on the scene. It was about speed and less about precision, but yeah. you're still getting more than acceptable accuracy. Well, uh, and a lot of things have come a long way because of the precision rifle series, barrels, scopes. All, yeah. And we talk about that all the time, yeah. but so many more good barrels out there now. Yeah, we, we literally just talked to um, Jacob, who's been on the podcast. We were at a match in Price, Utah last weekend. We we're talking to a, another uh, case manufacturer, and he commended us on how well we've done with the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 6.5 PRC, 300 PRC, and 6 Arc just how consistent they were. And, you know, like Jacob said, when we design the chamber and the cartridge to work together, there's inherent accuracy built into that. Yeah. You know, that yeah. just makes reloading that much easier. It really yeah. does. You know, there's some cartridges like your BR, the BRA, the BRX, mm-hmm. uh, the Creedmoors, the ARC is one of them, but there's uh, the Dasher is another one yeah. people love to hate. But there's some cartridges that, oh, I, I like to run the 6GT or the 6 Dasher or whatever because it's so easy to load for. With the right chamber, they're pretty much all easy to load yeah. for. And yeah. I feel like that forgiveness is, is with paramount. one of the or Palma loading. chambers, I could probably load 308 on a progressive. Yeah. With Sammy, mm-hmm. there probably was, not. I, I want to say that was kind of an aha moment with the design of the 6.5 Creedmoor. That's mm-hmm. where we realized, hey, you know, chamber, cartridge, together, design is And now huge. factory ammo is shooting yes. better than any factory ammo we're making. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, it likely yeah. started before that, and it doesn't get the credit that it, ever really deserved but the 30 tc yeah you're right it did really start with that yep and that's a it's in that you could load that progressively and shoot a match with it well along that progressive route you would be surprised or at least i am at the number because i'm a single stage rifle guy um the number of folks that are ordering custom 338 or shell plates for the 338 lapua yeah they're loading their lapua progressively wow taking dies out then too Every time they see the bullet? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, they've got it figured out. Nope. I haven't heard any complaints about that. Wow. Um, I, I built a, if I'm going to do it, I would put a bushing in behind the alignment sleeve so that it couldn't drop below. And then my sure. dial, then the bullet will clear it when I see yep. it. Interesting. Well, I will uh, just throw my two cents in here because I have c- kind of gone. I didn't shoot bench rest, but I kind of had some of that mentality back in the day. Uh, so grew up, dad was a reloader. And, uh, you know, he had an old Pacific uh, C-press and had bare dies and Pacific dies and a few older Hornady sets, the Duracrome line. The old Duracromes. Um, you know, powder in a metal can. And uh, he re- reloaded for everything. And uh, wasn't a hot rod, you know, wasn't pushing speed, would always, you know, be, you know, significantly under max. And uh, was, was just, you know, varmint shooting and, and big game hunting. So that was kind of what we grew up doing. And then uh, when I started in the precision rifle game, uh, I'm learning all these techniques for the first time that all these bench resters are doing and all these custom guys are doing. So, you know, Lonnie Hummel uh, was uh, in charge of our custom die shop before uh, Ben took over. And so he was upstairs in tech and uh, just a wealth of knowledge, uh, answering the phone still, getting after it. I think most of his calls were outgoing. Lonnie Lonnie has (laughs) forgotten more than I think the cumulatively that will ever yeah. know so lonnie you know learned some techniques from him so i'm shooting precision rifle with a 308 winchester and i took i think it was 400 sticks of brass and i put a light load of varget with a i think a i think it's 180 grain spire point fired all 400 over the course of you know a bunch of time and then uh deprimed them deburred the flash holes Oh, outside, I remember deburring flash holes. I used to do that. Outside, neck turned the brass. Um, uh, corn cob media tumbled it. And then, yeah, uh, seated primers on the classic press, measured depth about every 10 just to make sure I was, you know, everything was good. Uh, trickled powder out and just got into loading things to the, you know, not just the 10th, but a lot of cases the 100th of a grain and measuring every single 
you know, base to ogive measurement on every cartridge I loaded and didn't have any kids, didn't even have a mortgage at the time. So, you know, I didn't have a yard to mow. I mean, that's what I was doing. And, uh, it was fun and I learned a lot and you can learn a lot as a marksman just by shooting it through eight Winchester, because that is a, that, that forces you to, to gain some shooting skill. Um, but the reloading practices that I, that I had didn't really correlate to, you know, anything significant as far as me being a good shooter. It's just, that's what I was doing. And then, uh, I got my first custom rifle. I had my first custom rifle built and it was going to be my end all hunt the continent rifle. How many rifles ago was that? It's a few. <laughs> <laughs> my wife doesn't listen to the podcast. so uh, You're, I, you're no. safe. So uh, anyways, a seven millimeter Remington Magnum had a, I think an eight twist, 22 inch fluted barrel. Um, thing was, thing was a looker. Uh, anyways, and I took those same design, uh, excuse me, the same reloading principles to that seven mag and I outside neck turn and I was trickling powder and I had a little bit difficulty getting that thing to shoot well, which in hindsight was just small sample size, a shooting three and five shot groups. And that's just not enough. Um, anyways, I ended up getting it dialed in and it shot really well, but, uh, I was yeah outside neck turning, weighing things to the kernel, measuring all kinds of stuff, seating it out to the lands using, that was my first belted Magnum that I was really serious about loading for. So I was using the headspace comparator and I set that up to headspace off the shoulder, not the belt. So right. I was pushing the shoulders back, uh, two or three thou, uh, measuring, you know, the bullets with our bullet comparator, setting them, uh, you know, 30 thou off the lands, working powder charges up. And it was really a lot of fun. And again, didn't really produce anything. And then as I got more serious in the precision rifle game, what happened was all of those reloading practices where I was using tweezers to measure, you know, to put, drop a kernel onto the load cell, uh, all that went out the window because now I needed accuracy, but I also needed volume. And then it, it, it turned into, well, guess I'm not deburring flash holes anymore. guess I'm not depriming before I clean the cases. And then it, yeah, then it, morphed into i'm very similar to what preston and matt had to say about i need volume and it needs to be accurate enough and uh what i'm looking for is half to one usually half to three quarters of a minute at 200 yards on a 20 shot sample is what i'm looking for so if i can shoot 1.75 inches roughly 1.8 inches at 200 yards on a 20 shot string and my es is below 40 send it I'm yeah. not playing with nothing. Go. And like like uh, Preston also mentioned, I'll pick a bullet that I want. I'll pick a velocity that I want to run it at, with the, and I'll pick the powder that I want to use, and I'll load it to that, and then I'll shoot 20. And if it's under two minutes of angle, I'm usually going to call it good. I prefer to see, you know, 1.7 at 200 on a 20-shot string and an ES of 40. What you meant was two inches, not two every yeah, way. Yeah, sorry. If it's two inches at 200, I might play with something. And again, I'm going to drop the powder charge by a grain. I ain't yeah. playing with anything shorter than that. And I usually don't play with overall length very much anyway, uh, because I'm seating to mag length. Got to fit in the mag. Got to fit in the mag. And I now, so that was precision rifle. I do that with my hunting rifles now as well. I don't shoot 20 shot strings on a hunting rifle. Usually the barrel contour is not conducive to pounding on it. Yep. Yep. But, uh, it's remarkable how little importance some of those things that I was doing back then have to my real world shooting now um, right you know, but i'm glad we did it i'm glad we did yeah. it too it was a lot learned. learned a lot yep. uh but uh you yeah. can speak with authority because you've done it you know to text yeah. as a tech i've, I've found customers that, that yeah, like they're asking you and you're like well I've, I've done it this is what i experienced yeah that's i found that just connecting in my personal opinion or from my experience that's a great way to kind of, like you said command authority and say yeah this is what i've done and this is why I still do it or I don't do it anymore. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. for the few volume matches I've done, I've had to skip some of those steps too, to get them loaded. The last time I went to one, we didn't have anything on the shelf that I could shoot. So I loaded a tips and yeah, I skipped Ooh. a few processes. Shot well, shot real well. Luckily you can that see was those simple. bolts just about anywhere and put yeah. powder behind them yeah. and they're going to be but, accurate. But I understand it where, where everybody's coming from. Yeah. That. That's, it makes I a ton of sense. do single stage stuff. Cause I, I, Me you too. know, with, for hunting, I will probably For, anything under a hundred rounds. Yeah, single stage. I uh, just, I've never been able to justify setting up an AP for the volumes that I shoot anymore because I mm-hmm. don't shoot a ton. But 
for me, I did go to a powder measure. You know, our 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 favorite bullet engineer. Well, he's not our favorite individually. He's just he's great. But Miles Neville, who's been on the podcast, the more and more testing that he has done and the results that he's seen, I I throw powder out of a powder measure now for for almost everything. The only time I mm-hmm. don't is when the cut size. Um, yep. is not conducive you start looking at rotumbo or 4831 um, it doesn't meter very well and it's not because i'm worried about the variance of the powder charge because as it turns out that has not as much as uh, of an impact as people think as well but just it's hard to to measure yeah, but yeah. you know for my match stuff i'm running a six millimeter arc now usually with a 110a tip loading 28 grains of argot right into the case bam just hammering them out and then i seat them on a single stage press and i still do I'll get the bullet started and then I'll give it a, a, a quarter to a half turn and then I'll finish seating. I used um, to do that. I don't do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I, I seat it, come back down, half turn, hit it. Yeah, yeah you all three do, do it. I do, I do so three I times. I don't yeah. do it. it you well, know, you guys my, do a half a turn. He'll do four. Yeah, three. Correction. Three, yeah, my own. If I do it on a single stage, that I do. Uh, that's what I do. But on a yeah. progressive, I just seat send it. it. Send it. it. Yeah. yeah. I, and, you know, Miles and I had conversations. You mentioned Miles. First of all, he doesn't feel that. If you're really going to measure a group and you think your rifle's that accurate, shoot a hundred of them yeah. at a target and then measure that group. He said that that'll give you a better. And to be honest, he's probably shot more in a year than I have in my lifetime. Well, that guy puts a lot of projectiles downrange. He burns out barrels regularly, both on his personal rifles, his yes. competition rifles, yep. and in the lab. He For is sure, in the lab, burning out barrels in our accuracy fixture yes. and all kinds of tests, which is sure. remarkable. Sure, and he's done a lot of things. He doesn't believe concentricity is important. He said, I'll bend one and shoot a group, and you won't know the difference. And that's probably because of this better changer. Yeah, uh, he's doing a design. lot of testing in so Creedmoor. So tons of testing. So yeah. he's enlightened a lot of us on, on yeah. some things that probably don't don't matter. But there's that don't matter thing, and then there's that makes me feel good thing. I was about to say that. I and feel consistent. Yeah. So I want to do this. Preston alluded to this earlier, but eventually we're going to have a podcast where Miles lays out a lot of the testing results that he's done and we're talking big sample sizes on on everything people that are you know all the things that people do in reloading but uh i was gonna say there's the part that okay it doesn't matter well that's cool but it makes me feel really good and look good feel good shoot good it's, we used to have a saying in college and football yeah you gotta look good to feel good to play good that was yeah, uh, that's right. wide receiver eddie pertia i heard said that all the time Number eight on the field, number one in the locker room. Number one in your hearts. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it does. There is some some value to that when you're confident about what you're doing. Yep. There yeah. is some value there, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, it's that. It's not just reloading. That's that way with everything. There, there's a reason I have certain tires or certain yeah, wheels. Yeah, not to get philosophical certain, on you, but yeah. that's everywhere in life. Yeah. It is. It yeah. really is. I mean, like there are. You can't justify certain things, but it looks the way I like it. So that's what I'm going to go with, and the same thing. Just like you guys remember the first time, the very first cartridge you ever loaded, and how scared you were to put it in a rifle, and the very first time you touched it off, that feeling, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. So you know, if you haven't reloaded for, before for the folks on our podcast, it's a good point, and to you want to try it, just do it. The science is there for you. You've got your reloading book; it's all laid out. Don't. Don't get carried away with all the things that we're talking about. We've been doing this for years. Yep. It can be as simple Follow as you that make it. book, yeah. yeah. Size it, put a prime, you know, put a primer in it, get your powder by the charge, and touch off that first round and you'll have it. you'll be hooked. You'll have yeah. that feeling. I've got that, that feeling several times. I get yeah. goose pimples. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting goose pimples thinking about but think it. Think about it. Think about it. The first time you did it, it wasn't a wildcat. No. But every wildcat since I've Shot a gun like this. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and first time. I'll say oh, yeah. this for the, for the listener out there, Ben, you bring that up because that is, that's a thing that we, you know, we gloss over because it happened so long ago for yeah. a lot of us. Yeah. Mine was a 257 Roberts, but that feeling of, oh crap, I, I made this it's, yeah. and uh, I hope I did this right. Bang. Yeah. That feeling is kind of negative, but you feel that exact same intensity in the positive when you use that hand-loaded cartridge and For you sure. shoot your first animal with something Absolutely. you made, or you shoot a small group, or yeah, you shoot, the, you know, yeah. this—that's I've never shot a group that small in my yeah. life, and I made those. I, I yeah. had the fa- same feeling when I built my first rifle, my first Wildcat by myself. I built a three thirty-eight dot six. You mentioned it earlier, um, and I was scared because I 
knew I poured everything I could into it. I knew I loaded it right. And I knew I built the specs of the chamber like I wanted, but I actually set it up, clamped it in, stood back with ran this, some rest. stood back with the string and pulled well, the trigger. And so that was, and then probably, I was comfortable. <laughs> you, you ordered the reamer specs to your dimension. Yeah. You reamed the barrel. Mm-hmm. You threaded the barrel. You did all of it. So it was yeah. super true, true to Remington action. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now the work in truing the Remington action with the price, with the price that you can buy actions at that are ready to go. Yeah. It's almost hard to justify buying a Remington and true in it because of the time involved. But Literally had a yeah. conversation with a guy on the phone this morning. He was asking me about which action I would buy. Because we went down rifle, if I was going to buy a rifle. And he said, well, what about an action if you're going to buy an action? And it's like, well, first thing I ask is, what's your budget? Yeah. And then the I answer went, is money. What's your question? Yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. Went, American Rifle Company or... A lot of it's like the Bighorn. So. Yeah, the Zermatt yeah, Bighorn. out of Nebraska here. And there's a ton out there now. I mean, I feel like in the last couple of years, you know, your the actions have just gone there's through the roof. There's yeah. a ton out there. It's Super accurate, too, tolerance-wise. Yeah. yeah. Hey, we're talking about reloading. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Mark, Let's get back. <laughs> yeah, let's start. Where it I was, all goes with it. I was yeah. going to go, and, and Ben mentioned it here just a, a moment ago. It can be as complex with as many rabbit holes that go to the center of the earth. That's or it right. can be as simple as you want it simple to be. as you want it to be i made it as complex as i ever needed to and then now i'm back, back to down to simple yep. yeah and it really can be and you know we're talking what what's passionate for us you know is mat shooting or loading guns that you know you're like you're talked about your dad's string and wind mag or yeah stuff but what we didn't talk about was just the the novelty of reloading i mean there's some people that have a few guns and they have ammo for those guns but there's something cool about rolling your own ammo it's kind of got a neat factor to it and uh we mentioned it at the front half of the podcast there are guns out there that people inherit or they go and seek out you're not buying ammo for it you're not getting brass for it you have to make the brass and and you're kind of forced into it but again it can be as simple as you make it um you know if you buy the hornady handbook of cartridge reloading uh specifically we have the first hundred pages of that manual will lay out step by step what you need to do yeah. and the equipment that you need to That's have. That's right. In its simplest form. Yeah. Not only that, it kind of tells you what happens during a firing event. Yeah. 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 Internal ballistics. Don't internal. Really know. Internal ballistics. Lays out what excessive headspace can do and the problems it creates. Yep. Yeah. Well, it, it, yeah. It's a great. It's a wealth of knowledge. It is. Yeah, it is. And it, again, it just, it keeps it simple. And mm-hmm. for the for the folks out there that are thinking about getting into it, go ahead and do it. You know, it, yeah. we all... Ben says this, I've attended some of Ben's classes or helped instruct a couple of them. Uh, he says this at every class, you're, you can get into reloading, but you're not going to get into it to save money. And I suppose if that was your only intention, you could probably make it more cost effective. Yeah. But the way he puts it, you're going to shoot more yep. for the same amount. Yep. Yeah. And then, I, and then I add the caveat, because if you give up any of that money, you don't want to give that up to the wife. So you, you got to make sure <laughs> yeah. that you're still using more the same powder, amount. more primer. So shoot more. more. Yeah. 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 Shoot more. Yeah. But you, you can get in there to save, you know, you're going to save, what do you think? 30, 40, 50% over store-bought depending on what yeah, you're doing. Yeah. And it depends on what you're doing and, and with the price of things, you know, sometimes they go depends up. Primers. It is. Yeah. yeah. It just yeah. depends on sometimes that, but you do save 30 to 50%. Yeah. Over the price of new ammunition. Which is great. But then, yeah, there's that satisfaction of it. And, you know, I think, not all reloaders are men, but in a in a field of largely men, there's something drawing, you know, that that draws you to it because it's I don't know, it's mechanical, it's tinkering, it's making stuff, and uh, that in and of itself is is scratches an itch, I think, for a lot of folks. Yeah, it's yeah, like we, working we, on a race car if you're if you're a hot rodder, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's the same difference. We said it on the Hunting Rifle Ready podcast. I don't have to reload to hunt with our ammo is great i can't beat it most times yep but i'm gonna do it anyway yeah yep exactly i've got a big hunt coming up here i leave for uh in less than a week and i could take factory ammo factory ammo from the rifle shoots great but can i really take factory ammo (laughs) yeah (laughs) could i live with myself if i took 20 rounds on a hunt that i didn't personally guarantee had this much powder and this bullet seated to this length you know, uh, it gets in your blood a little bit. It gets in your mind and it yep. starts kind of chewing away at you. Yeah. But that's that, again, that feeling I knocked on that animal with my load. You get yeah, the yeah. same feeling as the first time I loaded that load and touched it off. 
Yep. Sometimes yep. load is the one that I copied from the factory. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I cannot tell a lie. I called the guys down in the lab. Hey, I'm going to load it. I got a week to get 400 rounds ready for this match. I'm going to put eight tips in it. How many grains of powder should I stick in these Creedmoor cases? They told me the grains. I shoved yeah, it in there. Yep. That's it. I, I didn't have time for testing. No, it, it works well. And, yeah. and that kind of goes with my theory, though, like the way I've been doing things. If a powder that I know shoots well in that cartridge doesn't shoot well at uh, the grain weight that it should shoot well at, I'm moving on. Yep. A different powder, drop it by a full grain or change bullets. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know, many of our listeners, listeners think, you know, these guys are crazy. And, and we True. might be, but everybody has their own little thing. And it doesn't mean that anything that any one of us do is wrong or different unless Preston did it. Yeah. Um, I was going <laughs> to say the same thing, but for yeah. Ben. Well, uh, to, to Ben's point, that's that's true, and it, it probably speaks to how much actually doesn't matter. When you when you think about you've got ladder tests and OCW tests and Saturday tests and playing with jump to the rifling and all this stuff, and we all end up shooting in the same groups. spot. That's we right. all end up getting good groups, that's just right. different ways. Yeah. And uh, so maybe that just goes to show they're uh, more than one way. Yeah, so we're not cat. saying this yeah. is the right way. We're not saying it's the wrong way. We're just saying do Find it your way and these are what we do. best for yeah. period. And yeah. Period. And your system. Well. And your time. That's yeah. second. Your effort. Find what works best for you second. First, go ahead and get into reloading. If yeah, you're not already, just get started. It's You'd a fun be- hobby. It's a safe hobby. It's an enjoyable hobby. Yeah. And it's something you can pass down to your kids or or you know just share it with a yeah. friend it's 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 a neat that's right thing to do you know? if you've been thinking about it pull the trigger no yep. pun intended <laughs> and maybe look at some hornady equipment and ask matt ritchie questions about it in yeah. tech at well, 800-338-3220 if you have yeah. any questions that's a good yeah. point preston 800-338-3220 extension three gets you right up to tech ask for matt directly or anybody else or anybody else in yeah. tech that we all when we were in tech we all had our own little niche yep. our own little thing that we like to do in reloading so there's a lot of experience up there well and i think matt mentioned it here and that it plays exactly into what where we were going with this is they get questions about everything. Yeah. They, he's got people asking him his opinion on what factory rifle he would buy or what action he would use, what twist rate he would go with. But then, you know, they'll also tell you, they'll walk you through setting up a die or if there's a procedure or a tool or I saw this on the internet, do I need a headspace comparator or whatever. Wealth of knowledge up there, all those guys, and they're to help. That's what, literally, that's what they're there for. So use that department if you are thinking about reloading or if you're just getting started. Or if you're a seasoned veteran and you run into something that, hey, I don't, I don't know about this, give us a call. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and especially over the last couple of years with everybody, with the ammo being so hard to get, the, the, the number of people reloading has, has grown exponentially. And so, Good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember a time, it might have been 12 years ago, where, yeah, you had to reload if you wanted to shoot. Couldn't find anything that when we had a presidential change that I yeah. remember. When, when you can find it get it because yep. you never know when you might not be able to mm, it's yep. true awesome is there anything else you guys want to add in the world of reloading you know collectively there's a lot of years of reloading experience here at the table uh anything that we missed or that you wanted to hit on before we close this thing out i know preston mentioned neck sizing uh that we didn't really touch on too much they can ask us questions at podcast at dot dot com if you have if you honestly if you have questions about reloading i'm answering that email so Hit yeah. me up. Yeah. Love to chat. Love to you chat. can hit up tech. You can hit up me in engineering. I'll, yeah. I'll answer what I can. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for, for talking reloading, guys. Uh, I've said this on every podcast we've recorded since, I think, June or July. We're getting close to hunting season, and I'm getting excited, <laughs> and we're talking about reloading, yeah. and I'm my mind's already turning about what bullet I'm going to shoot for this next rifle for this mule deer hunt I have with my dad, and like it's just getting, getting exciting, and anytime I can sit down and, and talk to just a bunch of good dudes about hunting, shooting, reloading. Uh, it, it's just a great day. Good way to kill some time here in the office. It right. is. It is. I guess the one thing that I'm all of a sudden spitting in my head that is probably just elementary for us, for the folks that are listening that are new to reloading. Yeah. Trimming cases. Oh yeah. Y- you need to trim. That's a step in the process too. Did we cases grow when that? they fire. Yep. When you size them down, they grow. You got to trim them to stay within that length. So yep. you crack a door open, Ben's going to walk through it. <laughs> I did. You cracked <laughs> well, it open a, and I walked through it because point. it's important. No, it it's yeah, important. It and, and, and brass prep, there's 
so many different ways to skin so that many cat realms. too. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Got to find what works best for you. Should yeah. add to yeah. what works, is, what fits your budget yeah. as well. The headspace comparator, that's like a must add. That's what I I yeah. mean, if we're, it's the we're, first tool yeah. I recommend over Absolutely. and above your press and your dice. And you've got to calipers. You've yep. got to know what your head, where your headspace is at and how far you're moving that shoulder back cuz That's right. For instance, the the match I w- that I spoke about that I was at, I had one case that was a little tight on headspace and everything was dusty and dirty. Cost me about five points because I fired it and I couldn't extract it. Oh. Yep. I had to get a cleaning rod to get it out, but it was tight on headspace. And I felt it when I closed the bolt and I shot it. It was hot and dusty and that I could not get Locked it out of my chamber. Yep. So. And, and that's, that's, I mean, par for the course. First thing I tell folks is. Headspace. headspace. Watch yeah. your headspace. Yep. Now, dies are set up to just bump a standard headspace. You know, don't be afraid to buy a die and screw it to your shell holder with a little bit of a cam over and size your cases. You'll but the first part. step you want to do to to increase that accuracy, I believe, is watch your headspace and control that. Yep. yep. One thing we can agree on. Yep. Now we just <laughs> ended thing. the podcast and started started to back up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, maybe talk, we, we could do, talk forever. Obviously, yeah, we could do a reloading part two uh, and maybe get into more specifics. This was, you know, that thirty thousand foot view and wave tops. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways to to reload and uh, yeah, I appreciate you guys talking with us about it and, and educating our listeners. And uh, yeah, if you guys like this one, reach out to us. Let us know what you like or what content you'd rather have or ideas on topics or questions podcast at hornady.com and uh yeah we appreciate you tagging along with this one and we will catch you guys on the next one